platform workers, ushers, we appreciate your ministry. Church, we thank you for your liberality uh, this morning. Hallelujah. Let's open our Bibles to the book of Daniel chapter 10. Daniel chapter 10, we're going to be in verses 12 uh, through 14. Again, we thank you for your faithfulness to the house of God. How many of you guys are glad you came to church? Amen. Daniel chapter 10, we're going to be in verses 12 through 14. Um, just finished um, a book that I was uh, reading, finished Love Your Church. I'm finishing um, Bondage Breaker, and um, I began a new book uh, that's um, it's really intriguing to me. I've, I've read quite a bit of it already. Um, it's called Pigs in the Parlor. Um, if you guys have any questions about that, you can come and ask me about it after, but it's, it's a really good book on the demonic um, and just all the spiritual realm. Imagine with me a battlefield scene among ancient warriors. Both sides are lined up with their infantry, their archers, horses, spears, their shields and swords, and it's going to be a bloody fight. Hand-to-hand -hand combat at its worst. Many men will die, and behind the two armies in full armor, sitting on beautifully strong black stallions are the respected kings of the brave warriors. Before the battle begins, in a final effort to avoid bloodshed, each king sends a lone rider to the middle of the battlefield for one last act of diplomacy. And each rider has a message for the other king. And each rider holds the faith of thousands of soldiers. Both sides completely understand the universal rule of warfare, and that is don't shoot the messenger. I mean, have you guys ever heard that before? Don't shoot the messenger. It came from warfare. It was the last way. They couldn't text each other, no Morse code, no email. They sent it. They're lined up. They sent it in the middle. In the middle, these two guys are just meeting. It doesn't matter if the message carried by the messenger is a positive one or a negative one. They both armies know, don't shoot the messenger. Doesn't matter if the outcome is wrong. Doesn't matter the receptiveness of the message is good or bad. Under no circumstances do you shoot the messenger. So, when it comes down to rules of war, rules of war, is get, they get broken all the time. No doubt you've been following the, the battle in Israel and you've seen all kinds of war crimes. Although this was a known rule of war, many armies knew that they can get the upper hand by intersecting the message. In rules of war or in war, messengers made it to different places, but they understood if I can just get the message, that can change the whole battle. In our text, we're going to read how a messenger, better known as an angel, has an answer from God to Daniel's prayer. And in our text, we see that the messenger tells Daniel, I was on my way, but I was withheld. Daniel chapter 10, verses 12 through 14. Then he said to me, fear not, Daniel, for from the first day, 
that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before your God. Your words have been heard, and I have come because of your words. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days, but Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I was left there with the kings of Persia and came to make you understand what is to happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision is for days yet to come. Here it is, this man has prayed. The prayer was heard. The prayer was answered. But there was a hidden strategy that opposed that message. And my, title, my attempt this morning in my sermon is that we, should, we need to learn, we must learn to fight with faith and patience. We must link prayer to God's truth and faithfulness, His character. We must learn to pray through in patience and confidence. I want to preach a sermon that I've entitled The Hidden Strategy. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing in this place. God, I pray that by the Holy Ghost you will help me to minister this morning, God. Not by my talents or abilities, God, or charisma, God. I hide behind your cross. Lord, I pray that you will anoint, God, every word that comes out of my mouth. I bind, I rebuke, I cast down any hidden strategy against your people. This morning, there's people here that have prayed to you. You've heard them, God. I pray, Lord, that your, your answer may get to them quickly, God. I thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. The people of God said this morning, amen. I want to start off with my first thought, and that is via prayer. We all have heard the word prayer before. We all understand, most of us understand what prayer looks like, what we should do in prayer. We all know that when life gets hard, we should consult God in the form of prayer. We know that things get answered via prayer. But there are logistics involved in our prayers. They have a start and they have an end. They have a cause, they have an effect. Someone speaks it, and God answers it. But we fail to understand, but what we fail to understand, or what we neglect, is the route the answers of our prayers have to take. In our text, we see that the messenger, most commentators there will say it's an angel, has been trying to make it to Daniel with the answer, but he was withstood. The word withstood there comes from a Hebrew word, which means go up before or stand in position to remain standing, or better yet, to bring to a halt. The king of Persia could have not referred to an earthly prince, for no mere man could withstand a heavenly messenger. None of us here can grab the wings of an angel and stop them. Frank Hammond, the author of the book, Pigs in the Parlor, said, there are ruling demon spirits placed by Satan over nations and cities in order to carry out his evil purposes. Problems that persist and plague churches and homes can well indicate that special evil agents have been assigned to cause trouble. That there are these demonic spirits that get a vice grip on congregations, on families, on men, on women, and they don't let go unless they're confronted. 
this man here, or this not this man, this angel, this messenger, was attempting to come to Daniel, and he was withheld. Something stopped him. Something made it harder for him to get there. See, the truth of the matter is that God loves our prayers, but Satan hates them. Our Bible teaches us that God loves to hear from us. Revelation chapter 5, verse 8 says, And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each holding a harp, and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. The word incense means a, a pleasing aroma. He says that's the prayers of the saints to God. Revelation 8, verses 3 and 4, And another angel came and stood at the altar with a golden censer, and he was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar before the throne, and the smoke of the incense with the prayer of the saints, prayers of the saints, rose before God from the hand of the angel. That it's a pleasing aroma to God. When we're able to cry out to him, when we're able to pray, he collects them. They're in a bowl. To collect them means to have interest in them. That it's not just, you know what, I heard them, I'll do it later, but that somewhere he keeps it. Our prayer is joined with a pleasant aroma to reach God. He loves to hear our prayers. He's glorified by them. And that is the part, or at least part of the reason why Satan works so hard to keep us from faithfully praying. In spiritual warfare, prayer is the secret resource of the Christian. The, pro the power of prayer wilts Satan, which is why he hates it. William Cowper says Satan trembles when he sees even the least of saints on their knees in prayer. We have examples through the, throughout the Bible of things changing on earth because of the prayer of the saints. Examples of men, mere men like me and you, that will cry out to a living and supernatural God and things will change on earth. We can speak about Uncle Abraham and his nephew Lot going back and forth in prayer with God. God speaks, he speaks back, and somewhere Lot is saved because a man is able to pray. Talk about Elijah and Elisha, that this man who asked for a double portion, but somewhere he's able to go on because somebody's prayer. Daniel and the Jewish boys, Jesus and his disciples. Another reason why Satan hates prayer is that your prayers and mine bring glory to God. Satan's downfall came. Because he coveted God's glory. He wanted what God had. He wanted to be like God. And whenever we pray, we position ourselves in a place of humility, glorifying God. He hates that. God is also glorified through our prayers of petitions. As we acknowledge our total dependence on him, more than just praising him. Listen, Satan hates when you praise God. When you're able to worship him, when you're able to, while you're going through your trials and difficulties, you're still able to pray to God and give him all the praise and lift up and exalt his name. He hates that, but he also hates that you're dependent on him. That you seek him. Here it is, this man Daniel. 
He's seeking the counsel of God. He needs an answer. He needs clarity. Like we see in our text, as we pray to God, there is a hidden strategy from hell to hinder God's answer. Which brings up the question, what do we do on our end? Or what can we do? My goal of this sermon is that we would expose and even engage in this battle. I want to move on to my second thought, and that is the hidden strategy. Hell's strategy is to discourage us in the delay. If we are discouraged, then we will take matters into our own hands. This strategy is made manifest in different ways. We see here it is this man, he's waiting, praying and fasting. And, and the angel says, I heard you from the day. He said, God heard you from the day that you prayed. You read it with me, right? Daniel chapter 10, verse 12. Then he said to him, if you're not Daniel, for the first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before your God, your words have been heard and have come because of your words. He said, you prayed, I answered. There was an answer coming to you, but there is also a hidden strategy. And in that delay, there's a danger of discouragement. Different ways that it comes. Number one, it can make us feel we don't really need prayer. There's people here, listen, we've all been there. You've prayed, and the answer didn't get there, so you took matters into your own hands. And sometimes it worked. So you did, you did what you needed to do, and it worked. And that's the danger. There are things you're going to go through life that you're, your input's not going to work. There might be some things you might be able to make work, but not everything. We see in the book of Judges how Samson arrived at a place where he felt strong enough and he didn't need God anymore. Judges chapter 16, verse 20, and he said, and she said, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. And he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as at other times and shake myself free. That's the problem is that there's people here this morning, you might have that attitude. I've set myself free every other time. So I'll just do it again. If you're a student of the Bible, you know there was a last time. He got up and tried to shake himself free, and he couldn't. Verse 20 again, Judges 16, 20. And she said, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. And he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as at other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. To the danger and the delay that we can feel we don't need prayer. Why should I pray? Why should I talk to God? Number two, hell wants us to feel unworthy to pray. Psalm 66, verse 18 and 19, if I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would have not listened. There's people here, you think you're too much of a sinner to talk to God. And that's a lie from hell. Can I tell you, listen, we're, we're all crooked. We're all crooked. We, some of us, just, we just do a better job of hiding it. We got, we, we got things. We got issues. None of us, and to be honest, can we level out the playing field? None of us are worthy to talk to God. This is why people in the Old Testament, right, you see God will show up and they just fall flat on their face. 
Could you, could you imagine being there? You know, you're talking to Moses, and then God shows up, and then you open your eyes like, bro, what the heck happened? You're not worthy. He says, if I would have, the Lord would have listened. For verse 19, this is incredible. But truly, God has listened. He's attended to the voice of my prayer. The incredible dynamic in the revelation of prayer is that you're not worthy. God chooses to listen to you. He wants to hear you. He loves you. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Every single one of you here in this place, doesn't matter where you came from, what you've done, where your status is right now, how you feel right now, God wants to hear you. God loves you. The strategy from hell is if we think we're unworthy, why even try? Number three, hell wants to encourage us to put prayer off until later. Luke chapter 22, verses 40 through 41, and he came to that place. He said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. Right? And then he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed. And later on, you see it in verses 45 and 46. So here it is. Jesus first says, hey, listen, pray that you don't fall into temptation. So most of us would pray. Verse 45, and when he rose from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them praying. <laughs> found them sleeping for sorrow. Verse 46, and he said to them, why are you sleeping? Rise and pray that you may not enter into temptation. Procrastination is the downfall of many people. Pastor Rosario drills it into us. Don't put off for tomorrow what you can do today. That somewhere, you know, we should be praying. I mean, think about it. Jesus is telling them, pray. And it wasn't just say, hey, can you pray? No, he went down and prayed himself. I believe the thought was that they should have joined and prayed. It was a stone's throw. He says, you know what, as far as you can, as you can throw, that's probably, you can still see Jesus. The disciples, instead of going with them, out of sorrow, they went to go sleep. They're throwing a pity party. When they could have prayed. Number four, hell wants to wants us to think in a carnal way. And he causes worldly thoughts to run through our minds. Matthew 13, 22, as for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the war the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word. And it proves unfruitful. The cares of the world are things which are not necessarily sinful all the time, but they're heavy burdens that hinder us from bearing spiritual fruit. You will be amazed how this is affecting us in many ways. The best, one of the best examples in our text is Martha. Martha and Mary, Martha was so busy cooking that she did not have time to listen to the word when Jesus visited him, but Mary picked the better of the two, right? He picks the better, and she kneels, and she sits at the feet of Jesus. 
the truth is that there are things that we got to take care of in life. There's nothing wrong with having a job. As a matter of fact, some of you guys, you need a job. Amen? <laughs> That's discipleship. Proven true and faithful to a job. There's nothing wrong with having a job, but many are spiritually barren because of their jobs. The same is true about the things that are part of our earthly responsibilities, such as our families, our kids, hobbies, that, that might not be sinful, but if they prove to be, cause you to be spiritually barren, then they are sinful. It is hard for many to understand this truth because the things are not sinful, sinful things. But we are to not allow anything, including the deceitfulness of riches or the cares of life, make us spiritually barren or unfruitful. So why does he do all this? What is, why is this strategy to shoot the messenger? See, if we stop, if we stop praying, if we take matters into our own hands, then we run the risk of aborting the answer. We run the risk of just saying, you know what, I don't want that answer anymore. We see this danger exemplified in the life of King Saul. 1 Samuel chapter 13, verses 8 through 14, says he waited seven days. The time appointed by Samuel, but Samuel did not come to Gilgal, Samuel the prophet, and the people were scattering from him. So Saul said, bring the burnt offering here to me and the peace offerings, and he offered the burnt offering. So here's a scene. Here it is, this man, the king, he has to wait for the prophet. The prophet, he represents Ramah, the word of God himself, and somewhere he has to wait for it. He says, wait for me seven days, and at the seventh day, he's still there waiting for an answer. And the Bible says, if you read it with me, first verse, Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and the people were scattering from him. There was people around them, already getting desperate, probably saying all kinds of stuff. See, that's why prayer doesn't work. See, this is why you shouldn't be wait for the things of God. And somewhere he says, okay, fine, give it to me. I'll take care of it. Bring the burnt offering here to me and the peace offerings. Verse 10, as soon as he had finished offering the burnt offering, behold, Samuel came. And Saul went out to meet with him and greet him. I wonder how that greeting was. You ever been caught? I mean, caught like red-handed. Like there's just nothing you can say. Like it's just caught in the act. And you're just sort of empty. Samuel said, what have you done? And Saul said, when I saw that the people were scattering from me, and you did not come within the days appointed and that the Philistines had mustered and mishmash. I said, now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal and I have not sought the favor of the Lord. So I forced myself, I forced myself and offered the burnt offering. And Samuel said to Saul, you have done foolishly. You've not kept the commandment of the Lord your God with which he commanded you. For then the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be prince over his people because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. He did not wait on the prophet. 
as a king, it wasn't his job to offer the, the sacrifice like that. He took matters into his own hands out of fear and discouragement. I know we can read that and we can be very subjective and come after Saul and say, Saul, bro, you should have waited. I would have waited. But the truth of the matter is this man is in charge of a lot of people. And they were all scattering. They were in fear. And he's crying out to God. He's praying. He did something right, but he just hasn't gotten the answer yet. So he's between a rock and a hard place. He has to figure things out. It was fear and discouragement. Hardship. That causes him to take matters into his own hands. Bring me. He tells Samuel, I forced myself. You ever felt like that before? I just had to do it. Moments later, the prophet appears. I wonder how many times. I wonder how many times God's answer was on the way. But our disobedience changed the outcome. Here it is, Samuel was on his way. Think about what he says in verse 13. And Samuel said to Saul, you have done foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which we commanded you. For then the Lord would have. I don't want God to look at me and say, I would have. Would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom shall not continue. How many times our disobedience is what aborts things? When all that needed to happen was just a patience. God, I'm going to trust you. You never fail me. And although it does feel like it's late, although it does feel like somewhere, you know what, I've prayed and it's been a while, but I just haven't heard from you. God, I'm, I'm going to trust you. Because my prayer is not linked to my circumstance. My prayer is not linked to my emotions. I prayed on the first place because I know who you are. And I have this confidence that you're listening to me and that my answer is on his way. I'm going to close with my third point. And that is linking prayer to God's character. Prayer cannot be linked to our emotions. Although emotions are what drive us many times to pray. And I think we'll be ignorant and naive to say, no, you can't, you, you know, when life gets hard, you know, you can't only pray when life gets hard. I get that. But the truth of the matter is we pray more. And if you didn't have a life, a prayer life established before, and now life is a living hell, more power to you to pray to God. We can't link into our emotions. We can't link into our circumstances. Those are ever-changing and not a good gauge at the future. How many times have we been wrong about something? So the question now is, how do we do this? How do, how, how do, we, how do we remain faithful while the message is on its way and is being withheld by a hidden strategy? It's easier said than done, isn't it? You ever had, you ever, you ever sought a brother or a sister to help you in advice or counsel? And they're just like, yeah, just, um, just, just pray. <laughs> you know, just, just be faithful. You know, and you're like, yeah, it's easy for you to say because you're not going through it. 
This is why you got to be careful of the way you counsel sometimes. Don't just don't, don't sound dismissive. You know, just listen many times. You know, people just want to listen. They want you to listen at times. So I believe there's a few things we can consider. Don't say, I'm not saying I have the perfect strategy, but there are a few things we can consider. Number one is we got to pray in the spirit. Meaning our reliance on God's spirit within to concentrate on. Romans chapter 8, verses 26 through 27. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us. with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is in the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. With this praying in the Spirit, this speaking in tongues, what it does is that you begin to allow the Spirit to pray to God about things that are hidden to you. Think about that. It intercedes in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray. We do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. I believe that Daniel here learned how to speak to God in this, in this very way. That he has prayed and he asked for an answer Yet it hasn't arrived, but you allow the Spirit to be able to speak about things that we just don't know. You're not going to know everything about the spiritual realm. There will forever be, as long as you're alive and you have a pulse, there will forever be a hidden strategy against you. A hidden strategy against your prayers. You need the Spirit to intercede for you. You need this type of praying. Number two is pray on all occasions. And this is the challenging part. Is that there are times, I'm not going to lie to you, there are times where you just have to grab yourself from, the, from your neck. The skin on your neck right here. You, grab, you, know, you know how you grab puppies? You grab it and you're, and <laughs> you're, grab it and you're like, that's why you have to grab yourself sometimes. You're just like, you know what? You're going to talk to God. And it's hard to do that. One, because it hurts. You guys ever prayed when it hurts? When it's just you and God? And you're talking to him about things that bug you? Things that you might have already asked? It's just moments where it's just you and God and you're there and you're just... God, I'm, I'm here. I'm funky, but I'm here. I don't want to be here, but I'm here. I'm praying, I'm fasting. My emotions don't match. You know, they say, forget where I read this. Most of you guys, I might, I might mess up your perspective of Martin Luther King, but they said that this man used to pray to God and at moments he would even cuss. As he's talking to God, he's cussing back and forth and, and it's just like this weird thing. And I know you might be from the outside looking in, you're just like, bro, what the heck is wrong with you? But we felt like that before. And maybe you haven't voiced it, but you've been there. Can I be transparent with you guys? I've been in prayer at times. I don't, I don't even know if I'm saved. 
<laughs> Looking at God, it's like, God, I love you. I just, I don't know if I like you right now. <laughs> I asked you about this, and I still don't have an answer. No, my wife and I, we prayed for a child for 10 years. And Titus came along, and it was a tremendous blessing. He did, he did fill a hole there. But we used to talk to each other, even in, in bed, these intimate moments. And we used to like, what are we doing wrong? They teach us, take no for an answer, right? Cry out to God and fight and do all these things. And in Jesus' name, you bind it. You do all those things. But what if... What if it just doesn't happen yet? I remember having a conversation. I was like, what if it just doesn't happen? My wife and I, we talked like, if it doesn't happen, will we still love God? We went through a weird phase where we were beginning to hold God hostage in a sense. Some of you, I don't doubt it here this morning. By the Spirit, you're there. You've held God hostage. You're, you're God, I'm like, hey, I'll, I'll serve you if you do this. If you don't, then I won't do anything. The challenge in life to pray on all occasions is not that I will talk every time. But prayer, true prayer, is a place of humility. It's a place where you come to God. You're, you don't come out with your, with your chest puffed out talking about, God, I've been serving for 10 years. And I said in Jesus' name. And you said, you ever heard people talk to God like that? And you said in your Bible, you're going to do this. It's like, oh my gosh, bro, try to talk to the, a cop that way and see what's going to happen. And I get it. There should be a reverence and a truth and a knowing and a boldness. We, I know that we, should, we shouldn't fear approaching the throne of grace because that's what God is. But listen, prayer is getting on your knees and saying, God, you have every reason to kill me right now. That's what true repentance is, by the way. True repentance is understanding that as you go and you plead for mercy, you know if God was to kill you right now, he's justified. That he's not guilty for murder. So it's this place where you come to God and you're like, God, I'll wait for you. Because I know that your answer is what I need. And that requires us to bypass our flesh and seek the wisdom of God. And we're not going to be perfect in that. We're not going to say the right things all the time. We're not going to pray through things all the time. But it is something that we have to seek for. Daniel got his answer. What an incredible story. I want to read it again, Daniel 10, verses 12 through 14. Then he said to me, fear not, Daniel. You know why he would say fear not? He's <laughs> just scared out of his mind, right? <laughs> he said, from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humble yourself before your God, your words have been heard. They have come because of your words. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. But Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I was left there with the king of Persia. 
and came to make you understand. Oh, clarity, beloved. He's been praying for that. I came to make you understand what is to happen for your people in the latter days. I'm going to give you vision. So that stuff that you're praying for, I got it for you, for the visions is for days yet to come. He said, I got that answer. Yes, I was late. I'm sorry for being late. I was in a battle for 21 days. I was there trying to get to you. But hell, but things withstood me, but I'm here now in your faithfulness. From the very first day I heard you. I want that conversation. I want to be able to look at God. I want to be able to be in prayer with an answered prayer. Saying, God, it was hard. But you answered. The third thing to how we do this is knowing that we can go to God with all kinds of prayers and all kinds of requests. Nothing is too small and nothing is too big. My challenge to you tonight or this morning, it's not so much that you would just go and try to defeat this hidden strategy. There's always going to be a hidden strategy. Daniel couldn't have gone to where that man, that messenger was at. All he could do is just remain faithful to where he was at at that moment. We know that at least for 21 days, he had been praying. So my challenge to you today is that you will truly pray. This means that you will humble yourself to God and say, God, I need your answer. I heard a video. I thought it was incredible. It was a short video. And a person was talking about how him and um, her and her husband, they've come together to get to to seek God in every area of their life. And he says, I, he says, we, we got, we want God's answer so bad. We don't want anything else but God's answer. She's like, I don't want anything that's not from God. I don't want it. He's like, what good is it to receive something and it's not from God? You're going to fumble it anyway. Nothing is good for you other than God's answer. Than God's word. There's people here today. You've prayed for things. It's been a long time. There's people here today, if you'll take a second and think, you've fumbled some things. You've taken matters into your own hands, and every single one of us in this place, we've disobeyed God. We've fallen short. We've been unfaithful. But like our Bible says, we read in our offering, where sin abounds, grace abounds even more. My plea to you today is that you will commit yourself in a humble place, saying, God, I want what you have for me. I don't know if that's going to be an answer today or if that's going to be an answer next year. But God, I want what you have for me. My wife and I, like I said, we, we prayed for a child. We went through Galveston, three years in Galveston, year and a half in Honduras, three years in Washington. And when we came to Houston, Diego was born. A long time. Long time to just not know. And don't get me wrong, I, what kept me or what kept us a relationship with God and testimonies of people who waited even longer. 
But I remember coming to a place with my wife and I, and we're like, you know what? God, we're still going to love you. We're still going to serve you. We will still love people, even if the answer is no. And somewhere God came through for us. The point of prayer is knowing that you're you're humbling yourself to a God who knows more than you. To the God who is sovereign and knows exactly what he needs to do for you. There's a hidden strategy, and the way to defeat it is through faithfulness, through faith, and through patience. God, I'm linking myself to you, not anything else. Can I get every head bowed and every eye closed? Every head bowed and every eye closed. The hidden strategy. You're here in this place, you're not saved. You're not right with God. If you're to die at this moment, heaven will not be your home quickly. I'm not going to hold this much longer. You want to get right. This morning you're saying, you know what, I want, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to be saved. I want my sins to be forgiven. If that's you, would you raise your hand in this place? Maybe you're backslidden, a person who used to be right with God, but today you're far from him. Your heart is far from God. You need help. You need Jesus to help you. You want to come back to him. If that's you, would you raise your hand? I want to pray for you. Amen. Very well. I want to change the order of the service. I want to speak to Christians. I want to speak to the church. Listen, beloved, God has heard you. He's heard your prayers. He knows where you're at. He knows all the tears that you cry. All the struggles, things that only you you think you only know, but God knows them. It's not that he's ignored you. It's not that he's forgotten about you. There's so much there, so many gears turning. But would you consider with me here today that there is a hidden strategy from hell to discourage you and pull you away from all that God has for you. This messenger told Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humble yourself before your God, your words have been heard and I have come because of your words. If you remain faithful and patient, humbled, God's going to come. There's going to be a messenger one day, and he's going to bring an answer. That answer is going to be because of your words, because you prayed. Don't let hell discourage you. Don't let him steal that joy. Don't let him steal that destiny. Hell has, Satan has no destiny. His purpose is to spend eternity in hell. He wants to pull you in there. 
There's people here this morning. You need to repent and say, you know what, God, I'm sorry. I changed my mind. I want to wait for you. I will continue to depend on you. Let's stand up to our feet this morning. I want to encourage you. Listen, these altars are open. Let's come and talk to God. Let's come and talk to Jesus here this morning. These altars are open. We're going to sing out this song, but I want to encourage you this morning that you will come and say, God, I'm here. I'm here again. I want to be sincere with you. I want to be honest. I want to humble myself before you and say, you know what? You are the King of Kings. You are the Lord of Lords, and I will continue to pursue you. I will continue to seek you for all of the answers in my life. There might be even people here, listen, it's been a struggle. You've been praying. You might even have been fasting for different answers, different things. I want to encourage you, listen, come and say, God, I'm here. This isn't a call to be a member of the church. It's not a call for you to join ministry, but it's a simple call to humble yourself to God and say, God, I'm good with what you got. Father, I will wait for you. God, my king, I will seek you and pursue you. I won't move until you answer. Hallelujah. Let's sing out the song.